hello, hello. Welcome back to Deep Shit. Yeah, I've had um, a long hiatus. I guess you could call it a hiatus. It's more of a disappearance or an abandoning. Is that is that a better way to describe it? Um, well, you know, things happen. I was in uh, Canada for a number of months. Uh, my producer, who um, helped me out with the podcast, uh, at first could no longer do it. And uh, now I got to do it myself and figure out other ways. But it's cool because I have figured out those other ways. And I'm going to continue doing this podcast. I got to say, I did struggle. I did struggle for a while while I was offline about whether or not I wanted to do it or whether or not it mattered. But a number of people um, approached me and said, hey, I really like your podcast. What the hell happened to it? And uh, after enough, what the hell happened to it? I decided it was time to get it back online. Plus... I got some big announcements uh, coming up in the months ahead that um, I think you will all enjoy and will uh, ultimately justify doing this podcast um, at, in some sort of way, which I think doing it in itself is a justification. I mean, the whole reason I started to do it was to talk about the exact things I'm talking about and open myself up creatively and all that shit. Ugh. See, it, it's really hard for me. I, I, I can't talk about artsy, quote-unquote, stuff without immediately attaching the word fartsy. Anything I say that's artsy is artsy-fartsy, then I feel like a dick, and I feel privileged, and then it opens up an entire can of worms that make me be like, I am what's wrong with America. But regardless, I'm just go, going to uh, I'm just going to accept um, that I am what's wrong with America and, and move forward with that in my life. Anyways, all hazel basils. I'm speaking of opening myself up creatively. Um, this first We're Back podcast is with our good friend, Mr. Zach Sherwin. And uh, Zach and I sat down and talked about structure, uh, if you couldn't tell by the title of the podcast. Um, I tend to find structure oppressive because I overthink it. I get overwhelmed by the idea of what it is I'm supposed to create and look at it as a whole instead of the sum of its parts. And uh, Zach on the other hand, is enlivened by structure and um, likes the constraints and the rules and the parameters of it, um, so, and it makes him feel more creative and more productive. So that's what we're going to talk about. And um, yeah, I got nothing to say except uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you continue to do so. Poopity farts. For a summer. No, you didn't. I did. Oh, what part of South Africa? Cape Town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for doing it with a Jamaican accent. That's how they said it. Cape. It's like a South Af- an Afrikaans thing. All right. I met my future wife in Cape Town. Well, she's from Cape Town, but I met her in Johannesburg, and I've never seen her wow. again. I met her for five minutes. Anyway, continue your story. Wow. Fast work, my friend. No, no, no. And so they have three kinds of clicks in X H O S A. Xhosa. Yeah. And so X ones are. Lateral, and you put your tongue against this, the two sides of your tongue against your back teeth, and you mm-hmm. go, I can't really do it. Nope. And then yeah. the easiest, no, I can't. <laughs> You're saying, not agreeing. Continue. Just. And then a C is the easiest one, and it's like against your, I think it's called the alveolar ridge. Mm-hmm. And then the Q is the pop. I right. Can't do that either. That's a little more t- top of the mouth. That was great. Yeah, that That's was the best one really I've good. ever done. That's actually really good. But they have tongue twisters. It's because you're looking at black skin right now. <laughs> I'm that sorry. your brain was like, which I right? never did when I was in South Africa. Yeah, I was trying true. to do these. South Africa. But uh, they do they, these little kids would do tongue twisters with that Q. That's how they spell it with the Q and Hosa. Oh. Wow, that's it would pretty... be like this fast. See, that's one of the uh, languages I want to learn. There's nine languages I want to learn. Mm, what yeah. are they? Well, they You're already are a master of English. Spanish, Italian, <laughs> and also Portuguese. <laughs> Japanese, Swedish, and German, those are of ease. But the last three are very African y. All right, um, which is the language you just mentioned. Um, Swahili. Oh, you should have closed with Swahili because it kind of rhymes with Africani. But maybe you'll still. Oh, pull it no, out. I, was, I stopped rhyming. Okay. Swahili and uh, Zulu. And I was told when I was in South Africa, because they speak four languages in South Africa, which are um, 
Osa, Zulu, um, English, <laughs> and Afrikaans, I believe. And maybe, I feel like there's another one, but Swahili? I, I was told, no, they don't speak Swahili. And, uh, some people do speak it, uh, but they don't. But Swahili is the most spoken language in, in the continent. Yeah. Well, finish your thought on that. Well, that's why, that's why Swahili would be like the most useful thing for me to know, because then I could really navigate a lot of Africa. I was told that Zulu and Osa, and I'm probably not saying that correctly, um, are very similar, but I was with two people. One spoke one and the other spoke the other, and they would speak it. I'm like, those don't sound alike at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, mm-hmm. I was told yeah. when I was there that if you speak English, French, and Swahili, you can navigate the entire continent. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of uh, what is it? The uh, western coast of Africa is French speaking. Like Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. But you know, there's also the part of me that's like, by the time I learn all those languages, there would be the technology that exists where I could just speak into a box and it translates it live, like. A hundred languages. But think how cool it would be to just show up and blow everybody's mind. I took French in high school, and I felt so cool when I was there that I was able to Did you? Hang. Yeah. I don't speak good French, but I speak four years of high school You don't French. speak good English either. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, folks. Uh... <laughs> what is it? Wait. What is wrong with I don't speak good French? I don't speak French well? Yes. No. Good is an adjective describing French, and my French is not good. It's language. The, yes. It's French is a proper it's noun. It's a noun. It's a proper noun. It's very proper. Very proper. The French language is just so um, French. That's that's the problem with True it. That. There's just all these extra letters that they just throw in the words because they like it. Marseille. Oh, Marseille. That's two syllables. How many letters is it? Eleven. <laughs> what? Why is it so many letters? Or sometimes they add a T in between two words just to make them flow better. If there's two vowels in a row, they'll just put a T in between. Yeah, and that's the rules of French are just so meh to me. Like that's that, so French to be like it needs to sound better. <laughs> Let's put an extra letter let, to make the flow work. Put an extra D in it. It's that's not a good French accent. Indulgent and luxurious. My French accent is based on Jean Claude Van Damme, which he's Belgian, so that's that's the closest I yeah. can get. Um, yeah, you know, I um, used to speak Spanish pretty fluently when I was in um, middle schoolish because I had a lot of Latin friends, and then I took it in high school, and then. There was a time when I went to Italy when I was in uh, college that I start little by little the week I was there, the language started to make more and more sense of me. I started to understand like the math of the language and like the conjugation and like the, the, the rules of the language and stuff like that. So it started to uncover to me and I was like, well, I gotta get out of here. See, I would like to travel the world, but there's just and this will be a bit someday. I would like to travel the world, but it's been ruined by people going. I would like to travel the world. Like every mm. country has become a Disneyland of itself. Hmm. Like you're not really seeing the country. You're seeing Malaysia with quotation marks around it. And like people are like, I want the genuine experience. It's like, oh, so you want to get kidnapped for <laughs> ransom money. Because if you go into the places where there's genuine experience, that's what's going to happen. Motherfuckers be struggling. Anyway. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a great point, And it sucks. I uh, not a country name drop, Uh-oh. but I also studied abroad in Australia. But you do want to see the amazing sights of it, but there's no cool way to do it. You either – you have to pay and be a tourist. Yeah, you and have it's not, to it's, uh, it's not I, That's like I literally – I hate being a tourist so much. I would rather just see the inside of my apartment for the rest of my life rather than stand in someone's way and like point at something as a local is trying to walk by me and accidentally clothesline them in the mouth, <laughs> as has happened to me in Times Square many a time. <laughs> Look at that. It's another sign. And then suddenly I'm getting hit in the eyeballs. What about that thing where you live in a city that has tourist attractions like L.A.? Or where I grew or up. Or New York or Las Vegas where yeah. you grew up. Mm-hmm. And then you go and do – like I've never been to the La Brea Tar Pits in L.A. Oh, yeah. And when I moved here, a, a high school ex-girlfriend who I had a very friendly coffee with mm-hmm. – a very Just friendly. letting you know, it wasn't romantic. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. It was I very friendly? That out. Okay. Very friendly. Was it a very friendly coffee? It w- <laughs> was the coffee friendly? Was the coffee like, hey, drink me. I'm lukewarm. <laughs> I'm warm, but not warmer than you want. Mm, I won't okay. scald your buds. Like um, she scalded your heart. Anyway, continue. Oh, um... But she said, you should go and do the L.A. tourist things because once you start going, you will never do any of them. It's just too busy to be here and there's too much to do. And she was right. And I didn't do the stuff when I first hit town. Well, you know, the thing is that, like, that's in a sort of a way when people come to visit, that's what that's the excuse I use. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I guess I'm finally going to see all this crap I've never seen. 
You know, like in New York, I never went to like the uh, the Statue of Liberty. When my mom came to town, she's like, we're going to Statue of Liberty. And she acted like I just go there every day. Yeah, just come here, <laughs> hang out, stare at freedom, <laughs> contemplate America. <laughs> then I get a Starbucks, take a shit, and continue <laughs> on my day. Did you know that the Washington Monument is close to visitors right now? They had an earthquake, and it rattled the foundation. Yeah, didn't it uh, crack? The monument cracked. Mm. Hmm. Little metaphor mm-hmm. for the country. Earthquake and the foundation of a monument cracked. Hmm. Have you heard about that thing where... Washington Monument. I, I, I wish that was the end of the sentence. Uh, <laughs> have you heard about that thing where? Yeah. Remember, I, my English isn't so good. <laughs> uh, ain't so good. <laughs> my English not good. Anyway, continue. That thing where mm-hmm. the woman is riding the guy and then the phone rings and she lunges to grab the phone during sex and it like snaps the boner. That can happen even though it's not a bone. Yeah, you can break a boner. I've heard of that. Um, have I? No, I've never. That's a specific... That's how it happens. Thing? But but I am asking more, have you heard of the concept of snappable boners? Just don't answer your, why would you answer your phone? I know, in the that's the real question. Never, never, never. Hello? I'm having the best sex. <laughs> oh my God, I just snapped his boner. <laughs> Let me call you back. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Did you say LOL out loud? That's a textable thing. And anyway, speaking of which, it's kind of like we're talking about language and that kind of brings us into our theme a yeah, little bit. Yeah, let's talk about our theme. Which, um, when I talk to you... You originally said constraints. Mm-hmm. Then one minute later, I changed it to rules. And then we changed it then to? Then we changed it to structure, now known as express for men. <laughs> but um, That really got me. I wasn't expecting it, and I understand exactly what it means. That's what you want a joke to be? Surprise plus? I've never thought of that. Ah, It was called the fade away. The faint. I fainted, Moses. Um, so yeah, so structure and, uh, I have a very interesting relationship with structure mm. and you have a more functional <laughs> relationship <laughs> with structure. So describe you're to me. so much more accomplished. Yeah. Well, describe to me a little bit yeah, of well, what it means, what, what, what structure is to you and, and, and your relationship to it. Well, I was thinking about it this morning and I, during the time that I set aside to think about it, <laughs> structure mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. Um, and I think that I use it. Oof, how do we get into this? I think that I use structure to I use structure to help me write, mm-hmm. and so there's kind of the creative approach with structure for me, of course. And then there's also how I kind of use it in a day to day, like structure my day. Kind of those were the two tracks that I thought would be most interesting for us to talk about when I was pre conceptualizing this. Okay, well, do you want to start with how to structure your day first? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I really respond well to having structure imposed. My girlfriend, my ex girlfriend, another ex girlfriend, you said she was a rule follower. She liked to follow rules. It made her feel – it kind of enabled her to do stuff. And then she liked to break them <laughs> at night over not-so-friendly coffees. Yeah. I'm going to pour this coffee on your body. Rule follower in the streets. That would that, that sounds like the worst idea ever. Like pouring chocolate syrup on someone's like, I'm going to pour this hot coffee all over you. And then I'm going to bandage the wounds. And then I'm going to make sweet, sweet love tea. After I clean up the bed because it's not that viscous. <laughs> it's true. But you were saying, though. So I don't know. I, I we've chosen a really self-directed profession, and you have to. Nobody's setting your schedule for you unless you have a job where somebody does that. Yes, and it's really hard to do. It is personally for me the hardest thing for me to do. The hardest. It's the hardest thing for me to do because I I, I wake up with that those those um, nagging feel the nagging feeling of perpetual work. To be done. Yeah. Like it's like I need to do this and that and this. Patrice O'Neill, this is a horrible, not horrible, but it's a really, really uh, stretch of, a, of, an, uh, of an association. Patrice O'Neill, before he died, he did have a joke in his act about being diagnosed with diabetes. And he, it was something like um, the doctors told me I had to change my, my, the way that I eat or I will die. And that's just not a good enough reason for me. <laughs> That was like an opener. That's like the first, you know, two minutes of his act. I'm like, yep, this is where you start when you're Patrice O'Neill. So there's this part of me that, in a sort of a way, feels like if I focus, <laughs> God forbid, work yeah. hard, that I'll get to a place that I want to be, which has been an ongoing theme in my life as of late where I'm just like, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I think I've done a little bit more floating like kind of taking what's happened, which which is very zen at times, but there's nothing wrong with aiming towards something and 
planting the seeds that become these things that you that you want to aim for, like specifically the things. So for me, when I wake up every day and I'm like, what am I going to do today? The day's lost. That's what someone said to me. You know Livia Scott, New York comedian? Nope. Actress, sketch performer? I think a cousin of hers is like an Olympian. And um, she said to her, if you wake up every day, if you wake up any day and you're like, what am I going to do today? You've already lost the day. So it's like she makes a schedule for herself the night before she goes to sleep. I love that. And I'm like, I can't even make a schedule to make a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back back to Zach Sherwin, you were saying. I have all these little mechanisms like that that uh, I use to trick myself. Yeah. Because my natural state is to be a piece of shit and not get anything done. <laughs> so I have all these little tricks. Mm-hmm. I'll share some of them. Oh, go ahead. I don't. I'm I, like literally. I feel sick. <laughs> just, just seriously, the idea of it makes me just – the idea of all of this makes me nauseous just a little bit. This, but continue what you're saying. Okay. I don't have internet in my apartment because every time I do – I'm gone all day. And then when I come home, there's no reason that I need to be online. I have an iPhone for short notice stuff. Oh, okay. But if I have unlimited internet, I will be up. I mean I've had it happen. I'll be up till like 3 o'clock in the morning just yeah. like being online. And at the end of it, you're like, I didn't do anything. That is – that is instant messenger is like my big downfall. Right, right, right. I'll right, sign right. on and I'll start talking to people who I like. And then like I'm like, oh, shit, it's 7 o'clock at night already. How did that happen? Yeah. So I always lived in places where I'd move in and people would already have it. But when I moved into my place where I lived by myself, I thought, I, th- I want to try not doing it and see how it goes for a little bit. And it's kind of – I've liked it. Because um, it forces you to go somewhere else to use the internet, yeah, which where, then makes you wake up and get your day started. Yeah, and you're around other people, so you're a little bit accountable even if it's mm. only in your own self-consciousness. Mm. And also it's not infinite. The coffee shop's going to close. You know, so you can't go past when they're open. That is true. So, yeah, I do a lot of lurking around like that. And, like, when I write, mm-hmm. I'll, I put my phone on airplane mode and set an alarm for an hour. And then I just, like, it's inviolable. Wow. That's amazing. Because otherwise, I've had it where I'll – or it happen, it'll happen in between hours if I do more than one a day. And I'll be – I'll just be like, I'm going to tweet one thing and then just see if anyone retweets it real quick. And then 45 minutes later or an hour later, mm-hmm. I'm still just like putzing around on my phone. It's crazy. The internet is – Well, it's just it – it's, I'm powerless. It's like – I mean pe- many people have had the joke. It's like I'm so productive when I want to write. When I want to write, then suddenly I'm like, I'm going to clean my apartment. And yeah. then, like, my apartment looks awesome. And I haven't written anything just because I'm like, I, I'll write after I scrub the refrigerator. Yeah. After I get these uh, rings from around the tub, then I'll write. I have a no writing at home rule because I, go to, I uh, go to sleep. See, and that's a uh, – again, that's a, big, that's a big thing for me. I'm, and I'm trying to get better. See, I have a very, very much have a lack of routine in my life oh. in a general sense. It freaks me out to hear that. You got to routine up. <laughs> There's so much peace of mind. Because give me a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> routine up. I'm serious. I'll be like a pal for you if you need like a this routine is like, buddy. This is almost a California raisins commercial <laughs> like a PSA for Do you remember books? Check them out. Do you remember that? Uh, no, but I uh, it was about it. going to the public library. It's like the California raisins present books. Check them out. Read about stars and cars and electric guitar. I remember it was like, oh, the California raisins rap now? <laughs> Geez, they've aged. <laughs> do they do a synchronized dance to that rap? I don't remember. I'm sure they do. Why did why did why did America be like oh, they're the Temptations, <laughs> but raisins? Why did America go like yes? That's what we've been missing from culture. All we need now is a sitcom with dinosaurs in it. <laughs> <Are> prime time. <laughs> Are they a raisin brand thing that took on a life of its own? I think so. I don't, maybe that ra- was what they were, right? Yeah, they were. Just kind of like uh, the last time that happened was what? The Geico cavemen? Oh, yeah. It was like, we're going to make a show out of these cavemen. And, and then we're like, well, that's 20 years too late. that we've, we've been done with that idea. Anyway, continue what you were saying. Routine up. I'm trying to think of other tricks that I have. See, here's the other thing is that I, I like when I'm depressed, I, I'm so – this is when my smarts get to my, my way because I'm so self-aware. I know everything I could do that will make me stop being depressed. And then I intentionally what are they? don't do it. Um, take a shower before noon, leave my place, go for a walk, read, um, just get up yeah. <laughs> and do stuff. Talk to a friend that I like. Um, all those things I know if I just do them, I'll instantly feel better. But instead I decide to kind of hole up and avoid everybody just to sit in the mire 
the, and how often does that happen? How many days a week do you feel like that? They, they, when uh, you're in town, when you're in town, it all changes if you're out working because well, then being your in town, day is justified instantly. Being in town has been has been quite therapeutic. Just being being in LA for like a month straight. Because well, you're often in Vancouver working on your show. Well, yeah, which the future of right now is precarious. Or you're on the road. Yeah, so it's like I've, I've lived in L.A. technically for two years, but I've spent 11 months of that time in Canada. Right. And then when I come back, the other 13 months I've spent on the road. So when I – my joke is like if you add all the time I've spent in L.A. together, I've actually only been here for like three months. <laughs> right. Which is which – is, Technically, kind of true, yeah. but like being back and like like I unpacked and like cleaned my place, which I haven't really done since October, because it's like every time I'm like I'm gonna unpack the suitcase, and it's like I gotta leave in three days. Why am I gonna unpack a suitcase? So I just leave everything there and then put clothes back in it. See, I think that's a small thing you could do that would make you feel. I think you're. I think they're. I like these tricks because they're small things that took me forever to figure out, mm-hmm. and I can't believe what a difference they make. Here's another example. Uh-oh. I'll give you two more. Okay. I never. Not I never. I always know that if I spend time online, what I call the tasks part of the day, Mm -hmm. if I do tasks before I write, no good writing is getting done. Mm. If I'm online first, it ruins something about that fragile early morning state. Um, It's like how your your first pee of the day when you get a sexually transmitted infection test is supposed to be the most informative. I don't know if those are actually similar, but it reminds me of Well, it's like if you're going to go to a test, you like – Take that morning pee? Yeah, the morning pee is the one that you want to test with. Okay, you're like, hey, I just came to get an STD test. Brought my own pee. Yep, this pee has the funky. Ready made tea. <laughs> Ready made tea tea. <laughs> PT. It's a PT. Cruiser. That's hey. what I've been doing. That's why I want to get tested. Um, <laughs> I've been cruising. So, I mean, Hollywood Boulevard is uh, not just full of stars, it's also full of uh, scabs. Um, what? I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, scars. From do you know the scabs. artist way? Yeah, I do morning pages. The morning pages, and you know what? I've been. I honestly, in college, our teacher read that and imparted a lot of those lessons to us. So for mm, ten years, I've been aware more than ten years, Jesus, of the artist way, and I'm just like, you know, this morning pages thing sounds kind of constructive, and I've in, avoided it for a decade. For a decade, I've been like, I should do that. I'm. It's. I'm doing. I'm in week twelve out of twelve on the artist's way right now for the first time, and uh, so good timing. And uh, there, it is great. You clear out because you know when you wake up and you're damn like, you, Julia Cameron, <laughs> Julia Dameron. Is it Cameron? She, yeah, yeah, you're right. She, you clear out all that gunk. You know when you wake up and you're stressed out and you're like, oh shit, that set sucks. It's like the STD of your brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you you take that morning pee onto the. Onto, onto the, the morning page. page. <laughs> the morning P A G E. Brain P. Brain P. Yeah. And you just you excrete out all that nasty stuff oh, onto Jesus. the page. Excrete. You went too far with that one. Um so <laughs> oh, and so my other thing is here's another rule I have. Uh oh. Fridays oh, no. gotta be extra careful with. Oh. I'll squander a Friday like a way that I won't squander a Tuesday what do you being mean? online. For some reason the knowledge of the incipient weekend looming. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, I got to get that thing done. And I'm like more likely to get into my patterns where I fuck up on a Friday. I don't know why. I could. I haven't thought about it enough to give reasons. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the most interesting thing for us to think out on air. I could probably come up with some hypotheses, but it is true. The data has it's just a mental it out. trick. Yeah. On Fridays, I'll fuck around. So I have to be extra vigilant and like impose external things on myself to make myself not do it mm. because we don't have some, there's no authority figure. Who's like, you got to write X amount today. And that's the big – see, that, and that's my biggest problem with structure is that – I mean, uh, do you know um, who Howard Gardner is? Mm, I don't he wrote think so. a book called Frames of Mind, A Theory of Multiple Intelligences. Whoa. And um, also Multiple Intelligences is <laughs> another book he wrote. He was the uh, dean of the Harvard School of Education okay. throughout the 70s, I believe, in the 80s, and came up with a bunch of different, I, a bunch of different theories on, on uh, modern education, which some schools have applied a lot of what he uh, does. But like, basically, um, I bring it up because what we have done is, in general, the education system we have in this country is we have equated – education or learning with stress which which does not go together at all like you like being stressed about learning knocks things out of your brain 
This is why. This is Gardner. Well, no, no. I'm just. Uh, it's somebody else. I don't think Gardner. I mean, Gardner. He he was not. Uh, a, he was not a fan of everyone learns everything the same way. The the theory of multiple intelligences is that everybody has all the. There's like a, he's identified like eleven different types of intelligences. Oh, interesting. That are like you know like being able to look, patterns, language skills, uh-huh. you know, empathy, stuff like that. I can't remember the exact names, but. He has devised uh, plans in which you educate a child uh, playing to their strengths. You play to their strengths, then their strengths become stronger, and the things that they're weaker at also become stronger. Then you play to the weaknesses. So if you can identify the places where they're strong and where they're weak, then you can kind of you know uh, make an education plan or a task that fits that child. But it's on a child-by-child basis. And we do it like everyone sits in the same place, has yeah. to do the same work, and gets everything the same way, which doesn't work for everybody. Like everyone can't do everything one way. Right. It's just not humanity, <laughs> I guess you could say. Sure. So my, I bring this up because in, in high school I was always seen as smart and funny and blah, 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 whatever. But I just never did work. I, just, I, I avoided doing homework like the fucking plague. But I always tested well because I remember shit. I just because I listened in class and I would do a lot of the reading. But when it was like now regurgitate that in ten pages, I'm like, <laughs> ah, this is where I get off. And I actually, in the first time we were supposed to re- write a research paper in high school, which I believe was my sophomore year English class, I just didn't do it. I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I saw the extra credit assignment. I'm like, I'll do that. And you know what? The extra credit assignment was probably the exact same amount of work. <laughs> But there was something about it not there doing was, the thing you had to do that made you able to do it. Exactly. It was like, I'm going to do this thing that's outside of the thing that everyone's supposed to do. And just that made me – and I was like, boop, 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 done. And I'm like, you know what? If I would have spent that time doing the paper, I would have written, written the paper. And here's the bigger thing is that my junior year, um, the research paper was 50% of a semester grade. Oh. She split it up into all these different tasks, like 20 different steps, that each of them was a huge grade. Mm. And so if you didn't do all the steps, you know, you could skip a step here and there. But if you didn't do any of the steps, it was a full semester worth of work that you didn't do. Guess who didn't do that? Barrett. Did I read the Scarlet Letter and Ender's Game and participate (laughs) in conversations and make fantastic fucking points? Yeah. Did William Cullen Bryant become my favorite poem? (laughs) Thanatopsis, a, a contemplation of death at the time. It was I really into transcendentalism in American history <laughs> honors. I mean, American uh, literature honors. Yeah, I love that shit. Right. Did I write the paper? No. What happened? Did you graduate from high school? Yeah, I had to go to summer school. Oh, I had to wow. go to summer school, which they don't offer honors classes in summer, summer school. So, like, my, my honors diploma, which I could have gotten, was no longer. But the irony is I went to a regular summer school English class in which I was, of course, I fucking aced it. Sure. And then um, they – what happened was since I no longer had an honors diploma, they adjusted my honors in like IB and AP courses. The GPAs went up in numerical value because I no longer had an H on my my transcript. So what ended up happening is that my GPA on paper looks higher than it would have if I had an honors diploma. I would have had like a three point something honors, but then it went up like a three point oh, but then it went up to like three point eight. But then no one looked at the H. So college just looked at the transcript. They oh. don't look at the H. They just look at the GPA. So that worked out great for you. Yeah, you it worked out fantastic. And you had a terrific GPA. I thought I went to theater school and became a professional comedian. <laughs> the point is, though, I tend to get very intimidated by structure because I see it as some authority has said this is how it's supposed to look. Like when it's in terms of especially long-form writing, which applies to papers and scripts. Yeah, we were When it's like there's all these certain rules and things and steps, and I start to look at the big picture and I go, instead of, as as the writing book says, going bird by bird, step by step. I haven't read bird by bird is what it says. That's the point of it. Is break it down. She's like, don't think of it as a novel. Think, you know, just like break it down. Really, what's a novel? It's a bunch of pages. Okay, what's on a page? A bunch of paragraphs. What's what's on a paragraph? Bunch of sentences. Oh, bunch I have of so words. Much to say about this, you know, just think about it sentence by sentence, and the next thing you know, you're like, hey, I wrote 300 pages. But that would work really well for me because I like having someone. I'm ready to follow instructions like that. But uh, 
you're are you resistant to stuff like that? That sounds like what your teacher did that you weren't able to bring off when you were in high school. Yeah, the only time, see, because I I don't feel like I, I ever have any structured writing time. I've never done that really. I've and that's not necessarily true. There have been times, but the, like the most structured writing times. There's two times. Once when I the second time I applied for uh, presents. Mm-hmm. I like went over my damn act word by word and like wrote all these jokes okay. and like cleaned up all this stuff. And then when I recorded my comedy album, I did the same thing. I like went through my whole presents? act. No. Okay. I was denied two years in a row. I don't want to chase Comedy Central for shit. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like th- like four years ago. So I'm like, I don't give a shit. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's like I, I, I should, the morning pages is something I keep being like, I should do this whole thing. And like it would unlock whatever's going on in my brain and then I could like take pieces out of that and the next thing you know I got a fucking act of stuff that I like and they take 20 minutes dude maybe for you I would spend that 20 minutes looking at the page like gotta write this that's the point you don't think about it you just write stuff she says you write about how like oh I got a bad haircut I had a bad set last night mm. uh, I need to clean my bathroom but you can't just write that for three pages straight, which is how long a session of morning pages is. You will at some point be like, oh, okay. I mean, you just will. Well, they always say the starting is the hardest part, right? For writing. That's yeah. the hardest part. Like when, I, when I've sat down and it's happened, it has happened, I'm like, I'm going to write. It happens. I wrote a pilot in four days once. Wow. Because I had a deadline. See, if someone tells me, as much as I'm resistant to like, they need this by Friday. And I'm like, Monday, I'm like, okay, got it. Boop, 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 done by Thursday. I'm like, how did I do that? When did this happen? My back hurts. I've been sitting here for four days straight. <laughs> no podcast with the two of us would be complete without a mention of our mutual pal, Mike Kaplan. Uh-oh, Mickey Kippy. Mikey Caps. But we've been discussing lately how he and I have been talking about. Now we're transitioning into the uh, material yeah. section of uh, structure. <laughs> Transition <laughs> sequence I remember commencing. you saying something to me. You said you said you had a conversation with Mike where you're like, should we be less mathy about our jokes? Remember you saying something? No, I like don't that? remember that. You, I remember that being the word that you should we be less mathy. Mathy. Continue. Okay. Um, mathy would be a funny nickname for someone named Matthew. I bet that's never happened. Mathy. Mathy. Like when people like Topher when that started being a thing. Ugh. I, I have a friend named Schwa, and his real name is Joshua. Fuck that Schwa. guy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I will punch him in the schwar. You know what I'm saying? International phonetic <laughs> alpha. What? All right. Alpha anyway, what? you were saying Mike Kaplan. I've had a few projects come across my plate lately where someone says, okay, like our friend Matthew Knudsen, the hilarious comedian Matt Matthew Knudsen. Matthew yeah. Yeah. He wrote. You can look him up on the old Team Coco website. It's come in recently. Yeah, that's Knudsen. right. Not oh. long ago. Matt. You guys probably did it around the same time, Knudsen. right? Knudsen. I don't remember. Continue. I think so. Continue. Knudsen. So he. <laughs> Uh, Knudsen wrote a like shot a sizzle reel for a show that he wants to make. Ooh, those and... are my favorite kinds of reels because <laughs> they sound like bacon. <laughs> that bacon sizzles real good. Mm. Um, love that sizzle reel. Smell it. <laughs> Continue with your sign. That sizzle reel has real sizzle. Um, so Matt said, I want you to write a closing theme rap song for this. This is what I have about clinical trials, people who go in and get paid to take drugs. And I wrote this rap. I sat down and shed it out in about 45 minutes. Yeah. I'm really proud of it. <laughs> now, I could have at any point been like, I'm going to write a rap that's about people taking clinical trial, getting paid to take medicines for clinical trials. Yeah. And I never, ever would have in a billion years have written that rap. It took yeah. Matt being like, hey, I want you to make this thing, and me being like, I like Matt. I want to work with him for the rest of my career. I don't want to let him down on making this thing, and also I want to excel at being given a puzzle. I love puzzles, and I love challenges, and so Fucking. writing that stuff. <laughs> or I, Mike, uh, Mikey Caps is making a podcast, and he approached me about writing – approached me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were on the phone, and he was like, want to write a theme song for my podcast? And I, I was like, like uh, excuse me, Mr. Sherwin. Wait, are you approaching me? <laughs> I don't mean to – I don't mean to approach you. Uh, How formal is this? I don't mean to be untoward. Um, but um, would you be like, wait a minute, you haven't walked towards me. Could you approach me, please? Or he did it like Japanese businessmen where they don't mention it and you have to like know through some complicated social cues. What? That's crazy. So I wrote a really good theme for Mike really fast. But I've been meaning, I have raps that I've been meaning to write for literally years. And every time I think about it, I'm like, I just can't tackle it. And knowing it can be a coincidence that Mm -hmm. I can barf out a clinical trials or a Mike's podcast theme yeah. in under in a couple hours. Was it, where I can't write my own material, 
because there's no there's no mat there's no mic on the other end of it. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Alex Cole, you know Alex Cole, of right? Of course. I did some show with him in UCLA. Yeah. And I said this thing to him, and this is this is a, I I this is my joke is, and I might have said this on this podcast before, that all my entire act is basically a distraction from three jokes I've been writing for ten years. Go on. I've been trying to write these three bits for a decade. And I just can't get to them. What are they? And every time I sit down, I'm like, I'm going to get into that. And then I've written three hours of material. Ah! <laughs> Otherwise. Um, That's hilarious. There are some of the themes. You're going to have, have a career based on not writing those three Some those of the themes bits. have, right. have um, surfaced in other ways. Um, one big one. Is, well, there's this one that I'm start, starting to get into that is uh, my antisocial tendencies, which now I have this like – Story of eating a pop brownie in college that has become like oh, yeah, my new closer. Story. Yeah, and that 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 happened like within the first year of me doing stand up. That story. Okay. So the next day when I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm fine. I was like, I gotta turn this into a bit, but I had, did not have the tools or facility whatsoever to do such a thing. Um, now you're doing it. That's great. Now I'm doing it. Um, another one that has come up is uh, this one thing of getting. Songs stuck in my head in the order that they are in a compilation commercial, uh-huh. which I have done different variations of. A compilation commercial like one of the ones with an ad for yeah, a I've tape had, you can buy? Yeah, I've had many different versions of it, and then I had a conversation with – was Wait, wait, wait. What? The kind where the titles scroll by and the ones the in yellow? The titles scroll by and the, the ones, ones in yellow are, are the ones – yeah. Like, wouldn't okay. it be great if all the hits of the 60s were on three easy-to-find discs? Well, now you – the I've had four versions of that joke, and now I have a version that <laughs> – Kind of, it comes out of this whole thing about the Disney cartoon theme songs. Oh yeah, that I have where I kind of had the Ducktales and the Chippendales. Oh yeah, theme songs, and then Very the second bit. part of it is how I get songs stuck in my head because I don't know the song. You like material about songs getting stuck in your head? I do. I texted you "Unicorn on Top" one time. Do you remember that? Yes, you did. As you many many, and I think you once texted me "Penises and Penises." That was unrelated. But you still texted that. <laughs> really? Thing. I don't remember talking about I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated, not to the vet. I just got it. Okay. All right. Jesus Christ. Um, superstar. So um, do you think you're what they say you are? Um, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, uh, superstar. <laughs> it's um, stuck in your head. You can't stop. Every time I look at you, I'm... All right. Let it go. I don't know. I just turned into a fucking Carl Anderson. R.I.P. So that's from my, my theater geeks. <laughs> he knows who he is, except for me and theater geeks. Uh, not Okay. Gleeks. <laughs> I don't watch Glee. So um, this has been a really long Ooh. tangent. That's that's a joke. I said this is this has been a tangent. Won't you cosign? Um, I know. As I say, math jokes. Um, <laughs> calm down, Ryan. All right. I know you guys are thinking this is so dumb. And Gamora. So um, and then people people shake their heads in disgust, like you guys just did too. That's I, happened in many a comedy club. I've turned into a pillar of salt. By <laughs> I didn't mean to assault you with that joke. These um, jokes are so dumb. Oh, oh, good God. My voice was too triumphant. You guys are like, where's he going to Jericho next? <laughs> if I'd play that sodium a little cooler, I feel like the joke would have come off better. But you could hear how excited I was to make it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to miss the words. And I thought of a thing. Okay, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So originally I had this. The joke was about I was watching Comedy Central at 3 a.m. And there's there's two assumptions that they make. About you, if you're watching comedy at 3 a.m. Number one, you probably don't know what boobs look like. <laughs> so they show a, just an onslaught of Girls Gone Wild commercials. Oh. And then number two, you probably haven't ever heard music. And then it's just comp- – so it's just like Girls Gone Wild commercials and then – and that's in the middle of a, uh, a, a long infomercial for like a music CD. Uh. They're like, we'll aggregate these things for you. Here's music that you should listen to, and here's boobs you should music see. Music and boobs. Music and boobs. Exactly. And then at 7 a.m., like, then it becomes comedy. Boobs again. with big nipples, and it's in yellow, and they show that. Well, it's just like a – you know, I remember uh, there's probably a generation of children that don't know that boobs don't have black bars across. <laughs> like a five-year-old is like, oh, that's what they look like. Big black bars. Weird. Um, and it says censored. on. A, okay, now I know. Um so that was an original bo- – so anyway, that's one of the jokes. Um, then I had this joke that was uh, about the end of racism is – has to do with um, 
being invaded by aliens. That was that was that the only way that the the planet would unite is if we have another planet to hate. So if I was like if I got a TV show and I was and like, I've done those jokes, I've done those all on stage, but I've always kind of like I say it out once. It's like something I really like. I say it once, doesn't go well. I'm like oh, too early, too early, right. And then I put them away. Then I put them away for five years. But if a TV show said, "Hey, we need a bit about how an alien attack is going to be the ends of racism," right? You would write it in. I mean, you'd write it in four days, like your pilot. Yeah, I had to. I auditioned for the Daily Show like a couple years ago, and then I was supposed to write some something. And I wrote this thing that I really was proud of in like a day. That was like a three minute long sketch that you had to write a sketch of your, with yourself talking to John yeah. Stewart, like, like a your, field piece. Yeah, like a field piece, and that's what I did. I, I had an I, I wanted to write a song for literally years since I started writing raps. Smell oh. Where I mean what is it? <laughs> Did you say smello? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a smello fellow. I understand why. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh a rap without the letter E, which is super constrainty, by the way. Wow. There's been novels that have done it, but not a rap. So I wanted to be the guy. The who most wrote. used vowel? Yeah, the most common letter in the English language. And so Oh, E is the most common letter just in general. That's right. Yeah. So if you don't know uh, what the most common letters in the English language are, watch an episode of uh, Wheel of Fortune. That's right. <laughs> and then they say R S T L N E, and then they give you those. They give you those. So I wanted to write it and wanted to write it and wanted to write it. Kept taking passes at it, and then I finally it's I it's it's written, and it's a collab with another person. It took bringing another person in and being accountable to them. Who's the other to person? Make it happen. Um, George Watsky. Oh yeah, Watsky, nice Peter. No, Watsky. Yeah, he's, he's not nice Peter. He's not nice Peter. I know, I know Watsky though. Yeah, he's very different. Nice Peter is also very nice. Yeah, he's very nice. I don't know about his Peter though. Zazzles. So, yeah. Okay. So here's another cool thing. I had sometimes when DJs will give me beats to, you know, producers will give me music to rap to. They'll be just like. I have one producer who gives me like ten minute loops, and it's just unarranged. There's no drops out for choruses. The the mu- different musical elements don't come in and out at different parts of the song. It's just one continuous loop. And he's like, "Yeah, you'll write the lyrics, and once you have the song done, then we'll put in the drops and make choruses and make bridges and all that stuff." But like, first figure out the lyrics. And that's kind of how I worked because hmm. for like a number of reasons. But then I had this guy who just sent me a hundred beats that were all prearranged. So they already had intros, then a chorus, then a verse, then a chorus, then a verse, then a bridge, then an out chorus. And I had a month where I was working with those beats. I wrote like 15 songs in six weeks. Now, not all of them are good. But Julia, one of the Julia Cameron things, she says, you worry about the quantity of material and then like don't worry about the quality. That'll sort itself out. Yeah. So I've never been able to do that. But having these beats that were a finite length, it was like the producer was saying – the producer was my structure giver. The producer was saying you have to say what you want to say in this amount of time. And they were all like two minutes and 15 seconds long, mm. nothing that was four and a half minutes. And I wrote so many songs. Two of them survived. And I think maybe like three of them are things that I could massage more and get in good shape. And then the rest of them are just – unusable and i think some of them are hilariously bad see and that's but i don't care because i wrote them all that's the thing that like i get in my head about why would i bother writing anything down if it's not perfect the moment it comes out what the hell kind of expectation i don't is that i put on myself i don't gotta be genius or don't bother I'm not saying this in a scolding or, like, condescending way. scold it, bro. You have to. I'm saying it to me, too. But, God, that is the worst. You'll never get anything you know, done. And it's, 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 it's the critic in me. I it's, know. It's the guy who sits around going, like, ah, it should have been like this to things that already exist. <laughs> that, that's the part that makes me. Because if you – I worry sometimes, and I say this to other people, but I know I say it about myself, too. If I, wor- I worry sometimes too much about what it shouldn't be as opposed to what it just could be. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want it to be this, don't want it to be that, don't want it to be this, don't want it to be that. And then the lim- then I put so much structure and limitation on myself that there's nothing left. All I'm thinking about is the negatives as opposed to why don't I just start something? And when I start something, then I can put pieces into it. I can throw the clay. You know what I'm saying? That's, what I, that, that's my metaphor for how I sometimes d- develop stand-up is that it's like a big blob of clay and then I take pieces off of it until it's a sculpture. But a what sculpted bit. What you're saying isn't scopalicious. Continue. What you're talking about, I don't think is structure. 
it's like destructure. Mm. Mm. But really, because what you're doing when you say, I'm putting so much structure on myself and saying, no, it can't be this, no, it can't be this, that's tearing down your idea. Whereas if you say, I'm going to write a bit that doesn't have the letter E or that is about, it has to be about this. If you know, you could make up rules for yourself, or I could, that were like, you're going to do my show on Sunday nights. You're going to do it like four Sundays from now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you, you have like three minutes where you have to start and express that idea within that time. And like not a second longer. And I'm going to light you at the end of it. If you were up for that experiment, I'm sure you could rise to the challenge. And you, you know, know what I mean? I, and that structure, I, but hating your own ideas is the opposite. I need that. I, and it's been hard for me to do it for myself. I'm getting to a place where I'm, I'm just, my impatience with myself has become so immense that I'm like, I need to just create some routines, and I, I'm, I'm literally resistant to anything that means anything. <laughs> it's just kind of like I know what you mean, but say more about it. It's just like, well, it's just like, well, I, there's all these books about this, and like, well, I don't need to read those. I mean, people have read those. I fucking hate those people, right? And they don't have their shit together. I can do this about that. Well, I can't talk about that. These people have talked about that already. I got to talk about something different. Well, I can talk about (laughs) nah. That's that's just that. And then I'm and then then it's nine o'clock at night. I'm like, well, I guess I should go to sleep. (laughs) Well, rest up for a work day tomorrow. Exactly. I got to get up in the morning to to get straight to the nothing. (laughs) Got to do. (laughs) Got to get up, eat some breakfast, and get right to the nothing. Got to hammer out this nothing, go in a nothing field and water the nothing with the nothing that I got. And then one day, if I work nothing enough, <laughs> I'll just have a whole bunch of nothing to show for it. It's all time zero. And my kids will be like, nothing? And I'll be like, exactly. Exactly nothing. You are my number one nothing. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying anymore. Remember Gmork? No. He was the wolf in the never-ending story who was... Oh, Gmork. Yes, yeah. that's right. And he talks like this. Gmork. He's like, what do you want, Gmork? Yeah, Atreyu was always totally screaming it up. up my horse in that swamp, man. It's okay, he'll come back and become a great band. I want to watch that movie again as an adult. <laughs> a great Atreyu? All right. Uh, you know, I've heard that Leonardo DiCaprio's production company is remaking it. Oh, well, I don't want to see that. And my first thing I thought was like, Meh. but what they want to do is they feel that the never-ending story from our childhood was too childish, that it wasn't as dark and as as um, epic as the books actually are, and they want to try to do it like that. Well, the book has a whole second half where that's... exactly like, and it's a very limited part of the story that became the never-ending story. Yeah, it's all the first part. The second part is kind of like about the downfall of Bastion once he becomes omnipotent in the world where that happens. Fantasia, oh, that's awesome. He, tra- he power trips it out, and that, and I think that's what they want to try Atreyu to do. Beef. I think they want to try to make like a trilogy or something. I got beef like a Treyu and Bastion in part two. <laughs> in part two, which was Jonathan Brandis. Oh yeah, but that can't have been. I'd be very surprised. <laughs> um, that that no way was that movie insufficiently dark and epic. It was very affecting. I yeah. remember it super vividly. But they want to make it darker. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I bet know. they won't. Those kids move like Neverending Story, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, um, yeah. Secret of Nim. <gasps> Return to Secret Oz? of Nim is so dark. Return to Oz when she goes in that damn. That, that's been on a lot. Perusa Balk. As Dorothy, Ooh. when she goes into that damn hallway of all the heads, oh. and they start screaming, and I'm like, "Who is this for?" I was like seven. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Who is? Am I supposed to enjoy this? Just sit down and watch this movie to give you nightmares." Right. We gotta go talk about the Bible, okay? <laughs> Why are these rats stabbing each other? <laughs> the sewer's not that great, man. Where, where, where is the watership? Why is it down? <laughs> Did someone shoot it out of the sky? What the puzzle dazzles? Prequel, Watership Up. Watership Up. Watership. All right, I know what I'm saying. Um, okay, so on this theme, mm. you seem like you're already fucking on the upswing, which is pretty incredible. And I and I got to fucking get my shit together. See, this is the thing, too. I, I go, oh, I got it. I, since I am aware of the things I know I should do, I absolve myself of the responsibility of doing them. Right. It's like, I know I should do them. I'm not a dummy. I'm not an idiot. So I'll just sit here and have these cookies instead. It's it's like an addictive shame spiral where it's just like, I don't want to do it. 
I know I should do it, and then I give myself permission to not do it because I feel bad about doing it. You know what I'm saying? You nope. Give, okay. No, I don't. So, uh, no, no, you don't. Okay. Re- Good. But I want to. Will you oh. say re-express? It's like it's like a. I mean, structure for men. Uh, let me think. Let me see if I can think of a better way to say it. It's just like I I guilt myself. The guilt that I give myself about not doing the things I believe I should be doing. Right. It manifests itself as giving my permission, giving myself permission to feel bad about it, and then I sit there. And sit in the guilt because I'm like, oh, I should do these things. I know I should, but oh, it's then so you decide, hard. no. Instead, I'm going to. It's like experiencing guilt is like a thing in your life, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to have a guilt sesh instead of a whatever sesh. Maybe I don't think of it that way. Like I'm like, oh, let's see, 2 p.m. guilt. But being familiar with that feeling and going for it. Well, I'm not. Go- I'm not necessarily going for it as much as that. I give myself permission to feel bad about it because I'm. I want to do it. I'm like, ah, oh, I should do that. I know I should, but like, ah, oh, I just got to do it. And then I feel guilty, and then, I'm, then I beat myself up I feel vulner- about not doing it. I feel vulnerable saying what I'm about to say because I feel like there's like a 1% chance you'll accept. Uh-oh. But I, I used to have like a— Are you going to say fuck that noise? <laughs> I used to—I mean, you need like a buddy, dude. You need <sighs> someone to text and be like, I did one—there's one thing I wanted to do today, and I did it. Because otherwise you're just alone with that— pattern and shame spiral and it sucks i'm just offering to be a buddy <laughs> Extended. that was the vulnerable giggle right there by the way oh good god okay well maybe we can do that. we can talk about it on the drive home Ugh. what it would be like i just saw this what are you growling about like i saw this documentary jiro james of sushi have i talked to you about this jiro jiro have you heard of this ryan because i have zero ryan dreams of sushi. he's on the ones and twos today um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi is – Jiro Ono is apparently the greatest sushi chef alive. He it's has, about a Greek sandwich wanting to be yeah, Japanese. Yeah. Okay. He, he's a – no. Not J- – oh, my good God. Uh, gyro. I get you now. You, that would be Euro if, if you're going to say it in Greek. Scorn from the man who brought you the mm. <laughs> sodium puns. Mm. Really. Oh, no. That was me. Um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Jiro Ono is supposedly the greatest sushi chef in the world. He has a 10-seat restaurant and a subway station in Tokyo. Mm. $300 a plate. Three Michelin stars, which is the highest rating you could possibly get for a restaurant, which means uh, supposedly that means that Michelin is saying it's worth a, a trip to that country just to eat at that restaurant. Right. Right. So he's a perfectionist. He's 85. He's been a sushi chef for 75 years. Like the dude started when he was young. Like he, and he talks about it a little bit. He had some family issues, and it seems like he went out on his own at 10 and then fucking started work, like apprenticing at some. Wow. I know, exactly. So I wish I lived in a country where we didn't have child labor laws. Well, he was 85, so it was, it was before any country had child labor laws. <laughs> okay. Um, so he talks about if you have chosen your profession, why? Wouldn't you spend every moment mastering it? Oh. And he doesn't even say, like, becoming the best at it, just becoming the best. You, he, it's more about being the best you could possibly be in that industry. He's like, it, it's, it's pointless in a way to, to do something where if you're not going to just fucking do it. You know, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't say fucking at all. We're surrounded by stuff for never not funny. I mean, it's kind of the same I idea. Know. Uh, is it? Yeah, you're never not funny. We're comedians. Oh, good God. We're dedicating to that. Jeezy crazy. That's not how I feel at all, by the way. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Pardo was never not funny. <laughs> yeah, agreed. That's an instant double negative. If you point that out to him, he will never not try to punch you. <laughs> 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 well, okay. Maybe we'll talk about this. See, I, now I'm just like, now I feel guilty about talking about this in general. Now I'm just in like, oh, why haven't I? Or like yeah, in because I'm, I'm holding myself responsible for all the time I feel I have wasted. And then I'm like, well, I've already wasted all this time. Might as well continue down this path. Do you know what I'm saying? It's also so hard to talk about this stuff without lapsing into new agey cliche and like motivational hackery. We already talked about the artist way. Let's fucking do That book this. is full of stuff that I th- makes me squirm with discomfort. But also mm-hmm. part of the squirming is that I'm like, yeah, that I do understand the point she's making there. The way she says it might make me, sometimes it does make me want to barf. And you see, and sometimes she makes up characters who've taken her class and benefited from it, and it'll be like, 
Um, their names are all names that nobody you know would ever have. Squirmy they'll Johnson. Like, they'll be like. <laughs> Squirmy Johnson says, yeah, now that I took the knowledge away, yeah. I am never not writing. They're not names that you've heard of that you don't know people with. They're names that you've never heard of before. Oh. She'll be like, Squeetbert <laughs> took a piano class. People are always like, you know, why are you always going up those blocks? And what's wrong with the nose? So I changed my name from Qbert to Squeetbert. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. All right. Well, uh, ultimately, see, and this is the I give myself the pep talks. I've literally stared at myself in the mirror, slapping myself and splashing water in my face, going, Get over yourself, you fucking fuck. You are paying your own bills right now. Do it. And then, then I feel bad. I'm like, Really? I'm doing this right now? Yeah, I mean, you need it's it's too negative, man. Too much I, I hate. I do. I get in the I get in the self hate. It's stupid. It's so pointless. You need a buddy who's going to be like Baron. <sighs> just do a little thing. You say the word buddy, and I feel like a preschooler. What's another word we can use? I don't know. Help chum. Let's just not do Does it. Does that make it better? Why don't I just give up? <laughs> I could, that's also an option. That is an option. Anybody out there that's thinking about giving up, just you know, it might not be that bad if you do it. <laughs> just just know that you always can. Move to a place where no one knows you and do a simple job and and be happy that way. Look how many people are happy doing nothing every single day. Why not? Nobody is happy doing nothing every single day. I mean, There's literally not one person who that describes on the planet. I mean, we'd have to do a, a survey, but okay. I guess you're a win. I guess you're a win. I guess you win, Sherwin. You sure won that argument. Oh, Should we talk God. about my junior year student council slogan? What was it? Oh. You've got a sure win with sure win. Oh, good God. And I won. You ran for power. <laughs> I ran for power. You ran for power before you understood the concept. <laughs> it was just on my res. I, I needed it for my college resume. I didn't have that 3.8. I bet you that that, that like a like a I middle school a student council campaign is the most accurate reflection of what people think politics is because if it's a bunch of like 12 and 13 year olds running for office they're going to emulate the surface of what they see right right so that probably more than anything tells us the state of politics with the tactics that a 12 year old would take yeah, to, they're translating get, into a, what a kid sees yeah. is the essence of the. I, uh, I promise you, you will have the freshest chalupas <laughs> this school has ever seen. The, uh, the uh, <laughs> actually, you know what's a great movie? The campaign. I haven't seen it. It's it's very good. I really liked it, and uh, it says a lot about the 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 show, the circus mm. that is politics. That's what the movie is really about. Is about politics as a as a show, and also the movie Pollywood, which is a, a documentary by uh, I believe uh, Barry Levinson. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I guess there's a couple of final thoughts. What? What do you got? Final thought. Do I it. have a final thought. Do it. This is the best student council campaign slogan. This doesn't sound like a final thought. It sounds like bragging. It's not mine. Oh, okay. There's a guy I knew. Oh, you I knew, knew a guy with the best campaign slogan. Do it. My friend Aaron Cooper ran for a class president, and his slogan was. Cooperation begins with Cooper. <laughs> he won. You just laughed like Letterman right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me, man. We'll talk later. Thanks for having me, buddy. Poopity farts. Well... Needless to say, I am in the process of getting my shit together. Obviously, getting this podcast done and back up is a major step. And uh, let's all get our shit together together. All of our shit. Let's put all of our shit in a big pile of, of shit and get our shit together. And that, that pile of shit, that big, that big shit pile, I, I guarantee you, it is deep. It is deep shit. <laughs> That was that was quite a stretch. Anyway, guys, I will see you, and by see you, I mean you will hear my voice next time. And next time could be any time. It could be tomorrow. It could be right now. You might want to listen to this podcast twice in a row. 
Maybe not. Maybe you want to show it to somebody. Maybe not. I don't, I don't judge. Guys, love me as much as you want and hate me even more. That's what I have to say about things. Wow, that's, that's an inspirational quote. Anyway, thanks for listening. This is Deep Shit.